right, hello everyone, and welcome back to Exploring Cinema. I'm Josiah. And I'm Jonathan. And we're here tonight doing what we love, having a few drinks, and we're going to talk about movies. More importantly, we're going to talk about horror films, a genre that I just happen to be very, very passionate about and very excited about. So I'm, I'm excited to do this podcast. I've been thinking about doing it for a long time. Tonight we're just going to dive into to horror films. Before we get started, what you drinking over there? I am drinking some whiskey. Evan Williams White Label, and also some Little Helper. Nice uh, White Label. There, are, I didn't. I had no idea there are other labels. <laughs> Devin Williams. This bottle is white. Okay. <laughs> is there any distinction between the labels? There is, but I can't tell you what it is. Oh. Okay. I don't know anything about whiskey. Do you know any other colors that they have? <laughs> I'm assuming like there's a black label, right? I I've heard. Feel like I've seen that. I've heard this is a good one. So. This is a good one. Okay. Well, I wouldn't know because um, I'm kind of cheating, and I'm, I basically poured some of the Evan Williams into a uh, step dude from Mother's Brewery. If you haven't tried it, whiskey and beer is just phenomenal. So tonight, when we were discussing this podcast, Jonathan, we threw around a lot of ideas for shows. And one of the first ideas that came up was kind of talking about horror films, and in particular, the last decade of horror films, the 2010s version of horror We've been just so blessed with good horror movies this decade. And I think tonight we kind of want to talk about what makes this decade special? What, what makes the 2010s a, a special time to be a horror fan, as, as well as just how it contributes to cinema at large? And the idea is to kind of break that down and then in a future episode or at another time, kind of discuss the films themselves. Right. So this episode, we're going to talk about kind of our personal relationship with horror and these terms uh, for recent horror films and what they mean and why horror is enjoying such a, such a place in our culture today. Absolutely. A little off topic, I got to know. What did you think of Scream? Scream was great. Okay. Um, I wish I'd seen it sooner, I guess. I don't know. I think I'm not the ideal audience because I haven't seen all of those movies. Like, most of the movies it references are probably from the 80s, right? Right, yes. It, it does reference a lot of the classics of before its time in 96. Yeah, so I had a lot of fun with it, but some of that's probably lost on me, you know? Sure, yes. It was just a little off topic. I, just, <laughs> I love Scream. <laughs> and you know, like, when I was a, like a preteen... As many horror movies as there were, there were also all of these like spoof horror films. Oh coming my out. goodness! Yeah, and I think so. I think that's very telling of where we were at. So, Scream and like scary movie are kind of synonymous for you. Yes. So, oh my gosh! So it's a tragedy. So I saw I saw Scary Movie before I saw Scream. Oh no! So, so these were just tired tropes. That I was introduced to, you know, like, yeah, and that's where we were at in two thousand two or whatever it was. You know what I mean? Scary movie is shit. I'm just gonna say that. But the reason these spoofs exist is because there was this consensus that horror was this tired genre. Mm. That yes, maybe Halloween was inspired, but then we got ten of them. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. The, it's hard to see. It's hard to think that there'll be a scary movie for the 2010 horror films <laughs> spoofs on midsummer and, and things of that nature no i don't think there will be 
because they're they are all different i mean most of these don't feel straight horror like under the skin is one of the scariest things i've ever seen but it doesn't feel like a horror film it feels like science fiction it feels like a standalone entity you know what i mean yeah a girl walks home alone at night same deal Mm -hmm. you're not gonna have sequels to a lot of these these franchises for sure so for me, this this is a big, uh, exciting kind of podcast for me because I just I've always enjoyed always enjoyed horror films. Um, kind of in our first podcast, we talked about why we love cinema, and I I remember for me I, w- I was talking about how I enjoyed the moment in cinema. You you dubbed it the magic moment, which I thought was really apt. It seems strange to say the magic moment in a horror film, <laughs> but there is there, there's this moment in that cinema provides where you feel. You feel something. And horror, maybe more so than any genre, makes you feel. It makes it makes you anxious. It makes you exhilarated. It makes you thrilled. Um, it scares you. It makes you sad. These are things that we typically want to avoid, but with horror films, you can experience those emotions in a safe environment, and it really it makes you feel alive. And the best horror films really make you feel alive and aware of just your existence and being in that moment. And I don't like it. <laughs> right. And, and there was a time in my life where I didn't either, but I couldn't help myself. And now I think maybe I've been desensitized or seen enough to where I, I just, I really enjoy the anxiety that, that horror induces. But um, that's one of the biggest reasons I, I enjoy horror. And also on top of that, it's just plain fun. Uh, I mean, when you sit down and watch a film like Cabin in the Woods, did you like that one? I did, yeah. Yeah, when you when you sit down and watch Cabin in the Woods and spoiler alert, the final act when like every type of monster known to all of Hollywood and all in every different genre like comes out of its cage and just starts slaughtering people on screen. I mean, it sounds strange to say, but that's just a lot of fun. It's something that you don't see in everyday life and and horror really provides that. But aside aside from all that, it also I think horror is a very real reflection on on what we are afraid of. As a society, and so I like I like that aspect of horror. I think horror can ask real real difficult questions and can reflect real difficult uh, realities back at us um, in the guise of a movie and in the guise of entertainment. It makes us makes us really contemplate what we're scared of and why we're scared of things. So that's yeah. that's just something I just really like about horror, and I think is misunderstood. People see Jason and think he's just like this mindless killer that just kills attractive young people sure whatever but jason also reflected just this deeper anxiety that like middle class america had about kind of letting your guard down <laughs> and and being idle with your time you know maybe maybe it's kind of silly but there's definitely those real existential questions and existential dread within within that reflected yeah and i think oftentimes we aren't even aware of what we are specifically afraid of and so when we see some figure in a film feels good like we can attribute whatever we're anxious about to this you know yeah horror just it really gets the heart pumping maybe the veil between entertainment and what we're like in reality is maybe the thinnest in horror and as far as what we experience reality is a dark place <laughs> yeah. no, and no, we, we no spend kidding. most of our lives creating positive stories to emphasize the good things about life yeah yeah absolutely and i know jonathan you we've had this discussion before you weren't really a big horror film when you kind of started this cinema journey 
I'm newly converted. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it. It is a religion of sorts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think um, maybe when I was younger, I was a bit squeamish. And maybe what I thought of as horror were slasher films and movies that just wanted to shock and scare and were gory. And that's fine. The 2000s horror. But, Saw but that's hostile. Yeah. Um, but that's all I thought the genre had to offer, I think. And growing up, I did like to be scared. Like, I did get into things like Signs and The Sixth Sense and these movies that were really big, like, cultural moments, but they were more accessible, hmm. you know? And yeah. they, weren't, they weren't gory. They weren't straight horror. They were disguised as thrillers. Yeah. You know, suspense. <laughs> That's a word that's thrown around a lot, like, when... When somebody likes a horror film but don't want to say they like a horror film, exactly. they call it a thriller yeah. or a psychological thriller. Yeah. Or, yeah. Like Ari Aster, who did Hereditary and Midsummer, he takes issue with calling either of those movies <laughs> horror films. That's he, insane. Yeah, he comes up with these other <laughs> terms for them. Um, but I think I think he was feels like he has to to get people to see them in a different yeah. light. But that's changing. Hereditary has a woman floating in a corner who chops her head off. It's horror. (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand that, but okay. But yeah, I think It Follows and The Babadook came out, I think, the same year. And Hmm. by that point, you know, I'd seen a lot of movies and read a lot of reviews and kept up with the film. And these horror films were getting were very well received yeah written, absolutely written about and so at that point i think i started redefining my own taste and realizing like oh i can be into this yeah when you say like you feel like you'd be into it was it because you think um this is something i can enjoy or it's okay to like these films as a cinephile or someone who considers film high art um, I think what it suggested to me was that there was something in these films that was worth considering hmm. and that it wasn't just an exercise intended to like shock my system, that these are, were things that I could think about, you know, and that would be that stimulated conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And here I am and now I love it. And <laughs> I've really enjoyed the past decade in horror. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of what we were talking about, which doesn't really apply to you, I don't think, but this this idea that horror can safely be enjoyed now by by the art house crowd and the those who consider cinema to be very serious work. The 2010s basically, I, I think, married kind of the, the art house filmmaking industry and, and art house aesthetic with like damn scary fun films. <laughs> And there need to be a way to describe these these kind of films, you know, in, in the in the greater consciousness and the and, and writers and, and just population when discussing them. And this kind of something we wanted to talk about was all these names, these monikers given to these films: um, art house horror, prestige, prestige, elevated horror, elevated. There's a cinema. I heard, uh, or not cinema. Sorry, <laughs> festival horror. <laughs> Like, I thought that was a great name. I haven't Because it plays at, at festivals, you know, uh-huh. indie, indie festivals. Like, I, I want to say The Witch was debuted at Sundance. I might be way off on that, but it kind of got its buzz mm-hmm. there, at least. You know, and A24 picked it up. But there's all these terms, like prestige, 
art house elevated. What is that? Is that, are those necessary terms? Do you think? Well, I think it's important. I think upon closer inspection, what they are basically communicating is this is a horror film that it's okay to like. <laughs> if you <laughs> if you love movies and if you consider yourself like an intellectual, right? Um, these are terms that are have been used to market these recent films hmm. to people who don't consider themselves horror fans or who have whatever negative idea about the genre. Yeah. So it's becoming acceptable for whatever reason. And studios have just realized there's a market for it now. Absolutely. So we're going to get more and more of them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, and we can delve into this at another time, but just, I mean, A24 comes to mind. I can't help but think about A24 when you say that. They, they seem like the first, I don't know if they're the first, but they seem to be, in, in just my experience, the first studio that really latched on to the idea and, and like started marketing this art house horror. They started with The Witch. They did It Comes at Night. And then I think Hereditary is kind of like the perfect culmination of all that with their trailer and their marketing and, yeah. and, and the way that they sent it to, to reviewers. and Yeah, it was their biggest hit at that point. Right, but it, it very much it seemed it seemed in the marketing at least it was very self aware like this is art house horror. Yeah, <laughs> I don't I don't necessarily think Ari Aster was set up to make an art house horror film. I think he just I think he has a really interesting aesthetic and he wanted to tell a story, and we got Hereditary, which is phenomenal. But I think A two four recognized like there's a cinephile art house crowd that that we could really tap into here, and if it's scary and there's a lot of blood, the public at large will get on board too. You know, so yeah, you know, um, this is a little beside the point, but speaking about hereditary, I, I realized today I was on online. Hereditary had a D plus cinema score, hmm. which is Among where audiences, they, which is where they pull people opening weekend leaving the theater, normally in New York and LA. Huh. Um, and <laughs> that is unheard of. And I mean, it's it had really positive critical reception, yeah. And a lot of people like you and I love it, right? Mm -hmm. But anyone who just happened to go see it, I mean, it doesn't make you feel good. No, it doesn't. <laughs> and horror movies don't. Like, audiences expect that going into mm -hmm. horror film. Well, They're not feel-good stories. Mm, yes and no. I think a lot of horror movies are designed to scare you, but ultimately it's still entertainment and it's still fun. Yeah, okay. But Hereditary really makes you stare into the abyss right and it doesn't feel good and that was what was kind of thrilling about it to me i was so surprised that it went there you know yeah but yeah not not for everyone still i guess i, guess I assumed everybody liked it uh, and again a very small sample size i kind of gauge my my judgments on like whether a film is accessible by what like how my coworkers talk about it because <laughs> most of my coworkers are average moviegoers uh -huh. they they um they like film. They take it seriously, but they don't dissect it. They don't go out of the way to watch Ingmar Bergman or Citizen Kane, you know, which I'm not saying you have to do. Just saying they're, they're just your average moviegoer. Yeah. Um, and they all really enjoyed Hereditary. That's great. I mean, enjoy maybe is the wrong word. They, they couldn't stop talking about it. Yeah. You know, and they, they encouraged other people to go see it. Mm -hmm. So that, I guess that's why I thought, well, the public at large, based on my coworkers, uh -huh. 
But that is really interesting what you say there. I was surprised too. Well, I think in opening weekend, you know, you probably got a larger percentage of people who didn't know what they were in for. Yeah. So I'd like to kind of dive into the terms, though. I mean, we've, we've talked about it a little bit, but why do we have to call it prestige, elevated? Is it, an, like, is it a legitimate subgenre of horror? I, personally, um, it, it kind of makes sense just because horror is so full of subgenres. It might be the, the one genre that has the most subgenres of any, of any genre out there. I mean, you have, you have ghosts, you have slashers, you have zombie, you have creature features, um, you have psychological thrillers, which I, I call horror. So in a sense, the, the subgenre of prestige, elevated art house kind of makes sense. It kind of makes sense that you would lump these films together, except the problem is a lot of these films would fit in those traditional subgenres. They're just brilliantly done, <laughs> brilliantly made. Yeah, I don't know if I'd call it a subgenre, but what those terms say to me is that these are films that are trying to do something other than provoke a response. Because a lot of horror movies, regardless of the subgenre, are designed, which there's nothing wrong with this, but their main priority is to shock, surprise, yeah. to scare. A lot of them are just a good time at the yeah. theater. Yeah, I mean, that is horror for horror's sake, right? Yeah. But these are not. I think that's what, that's what the true difference here is. These terms say to me, okay, this movie has something to say. And yes, it's also going to try to scare me, but it also wants me to think about something. So is that what defines that genre? Or the, the, the terms, I guess, is clear message? I mean, that's as far as I can make out. I mean, there's also, there's also a commitment to a certain artistic standard. Hmm. But I think... I think there are plenty of movies that are just straight horror films that look great and sound great and have good performances. So I, yeah. So is it? It's it's like pornography in a sense. Can't define it, but I know it when I see it. <laughs> <laughs> the look you gave me. I wish our audience could, could I, see that. <laughs> yeah. So we don't define it. I think critics define it. I think <laughs> which is kind of. I think going forward. Anytime a horror movie comes out, the critics are like, yeah, we can get behind this. That's, yeah. <laughs> I think, honestly, because as, we as we were kind of thinking about this, this episode and, and um, planning for it, I kept going back and forth. And even right now, as we're talking, I'm not quite sure where I fall on that. Uh, and on to whether like, we should call these films elevated horror. Because I, I think horror movies have always, always had something to say. Not every single one, but if you point to any era in horror, there are movies you can point to that have a very strong message with great performances. I mean, fucking Stanley Kubrick directed The Shining, right? It, it's attracted some great talents. Roman Polanski. Um, many would say that Nosferatu, or the, or even before that, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari is maybe cinema's first masterpiece. You know, I mean, horror has always had real good films that that were dealing with intense subject matter and in the, in the case of Doc, Dr. Caligari the, these people just fought World War One. you know it's dealing with trauma and, and psychosis and, and things of that nature yeah so horror has been a fundamental part of cinema since its inception mm. yeah. and it's I think it's always been important I don't know if it was recent decades output that turned people off or 
Yeah. yeah. What is going on? But people are are needing to re-realize its validity. Yeah, I, I would I would say the '90s and the and the 2000s. Again, not to say that there weren't great horror films in those decades. There are. I can name a few. Uh, Scream is brilliant. Session Nine, but those are widely kind of regarded as kind of wasteland time periods for for horror films. The '80s would probably be in that category as well if they didn't give us just some iconic you know original monsters and jason and mike myers was the late 70s but it's still kind of the 80s 80s flashes and and freddy but yeah it's been a while since we've had horror films that have been like considered must-see prestige films i came across an idea today in an article it was about the relationship between horror and critics which i thought was really interesting in every decade there have been horror films that have broken out of i don't know have broken out and been more widely seen hmm. and talked about yeah. and accepted but horror has always been around and it's always been a safe bet for studios and the films don't need critical praise like other genres do like if there's a drama coming out even if it's got big name actors that yeah. I care about, if I hear the critic response is, this falls flat, like this doesn't work, right. I'm not going to go see it. But horror consistently, regardless of what critics m might say, people will go see it. Mm. I don't know why that is. I think people are looking for more than just a certain level of quality. That really struck me as something that differentiates like the horror genre from everything else. Yeah, that's that's a great point. That's the, the beauty of the 2010s horror is we got both. The critics got on board. They recommended these films. And these films are damn scary and entertaining. I, I think about them long after and not in a way of like, I'm looking over my shoulder to make sure something's not in my closet. I'm thinking about the greater themes. Like when I saw The Witch, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I couldn't stop thinking about how America's just still rife with like puritanical ideas of the afterlife and how we're still so driven by the unknown of where we're going when we die. Are we living a good enough life to, to go to the good side or are we going to go to the bad side? You know, I, that's still very core to millions of Americans. And the, these films, like, I, I, I keep thinking about them long after. I don't know if you've seen It Comes at Night, but I couldn't stop thinking about that film or The Babadook. This decade didn't, have, didn't force us to choose, I guess, between, like, just turning our minds off and saying, I'm just going to have fun. But there's nothing wrong with that, man. I, I love a good slasher. You could watch some of the best and scariest horror films of this decade and also think about them for a long time afterwards. What are the implications? What are they saying? How does this affect me? Where do I, where do I stand in all of this? Yeah, I think, beautiful. That's, I think that's right. That's what got me on board. And I guess a lot of people are in the same boat. So horror has always been a safe bet for studios to make a little money. And I think we now we're seeing more and more people turn to it because the industry is so precarious. Because original content doesn't work half mm -hmm. the time. Everything else is about IP. Right. Sequels, PG-13 blockbusters. And so not only is there not adult content for people who don't want that sort of thing, but studios are afraid to try anything else. Mm. And outside of that, the surest bet might be horror. Yeah. So this point that I want to reiterate that 
Horror does not depend on critical praise. I feel like that's so important because horror fans, regardless of what anyone writes about a film, they're going to make up their own mind. They're going to watch the trailer and decide for themselves whether yeah. they want to see it. And that says something about the priorities of the fans and therefore the genre. It's not necessarily about eloquence or about artistic brilliance. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to say that critics are resentful of horror because of that. <laughs> because horror doesn't care what they think. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's why it's considered lowbrow. Because it's not as concerned with film criticism. Yeah. Its priorities aren't as aligned with film criticism as other genres. Yeah. I think you should say that. That critics... Um dislike horror because it doesn't pander to them they're human beings right and a lot of them are think what they do is important that's kind of one of the appeals of horror to me it's kind of a big middle finger to establishments <laughs> a lot of times and just fuck you i'm gonna make what i want so now that horror isn't lowbrow do we need a new label for it i think i think the label can help people who don't seek out horror films that's not really their first choice i think that can maybe help them say okay that's a horror movie i want to see but personally i i think it's i think it's bullshit calling calling these films elevated or art house or prestige <laughs> or whatever um they are beautiful films they're artistic there's some exciting talent working on these films but they're still fucking horror films they make you scared they make you anxious they're a lot of fun and the the idea that that we have to like call them prestige just because they have something to say, I think is in, it's cheapening the genre as a whole. Like like the horror genre has never had anything to say up until now. Yeah. And I don't think that's true at all. I think horror has always been just a very human experience and a very fundamental genre to, to our experience. And that's why it appeals to people. And we've kind of talked about this a lot before, honestly. Like the best art can be just fucking damn entertaining, but there's a lot there to digest and, and dig into if you want to. And I think horror provides that. Yes. Art doesn't have to be difficult. It doesn't. It can be just something that's enjoyable to consume. But the best films, man, they got a lot more going on than, than, uh, than just having a good time. And so I, I, think, I think the terms are unnecessary. Um, I, and I honestly say I think they're a little insulting to the genre. That's my take on it. I don't know. What do you think? I think they serve their purpose. I think it's worth analyzing, like looking into a little closer. And hopefully people who like me have gotten into horror just in the last 10 years will go back and will realize like there are great horror films from every decade as far back as you can go. Well, you watched um, Rosemary's Baby recently. I did. Yeah, you probably, I, I don't know. I'm not, I don't, I don't know. But would you have watched that had you not seen some of these films? In the, recently here in the Deccan? No, I don't think so, or I wouldn't have been as interested. I think, yeah, I think now because it's all about how you identify your own preferences, right? And now that I can say, yes, I'm a fan of horror, hmm. I am more willing to look backwards and seek out the great films. Yeah. So... Yeah, I think I think the terms upon closer inspection are maybe <laughs> a 
a little insulting or disingenuous, but they are serving a purpose now and they're getting people to reconceptualize what horror is. Okay. I think this yeah. mo- I think these films I think this movement is great. That's what I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> it's very very good response, Jonathan. <laughs> very safe. <laughs> <laughs> it is awesome though that like horror of the last decade has even like spawned this debate. Right, we're having a discussion as to whether these terms are relevant because these movies have been so damn good that we that we had to come up with some term for them. Yeah, I, I would I would say I would say it's great that we're even considering calling things like prestige horror because that's just a testament to how good the films are. All right, Jonathan. So we've we've talked a lot about the merit of these films. What makes 2010 different than any decade that came before in horror? What is it about this grouping of films over the last ten years? That makes us want to sit down, think about it, talk about it, record about it. <laughs> I feel like you want to answer your own question. I do want to answer my own <laughs> question. <laughs> You're absolutely right. This is why we get along so well. And I think a big part of it is just the pure cinema experience of these horror films. This genre in the 2010s has advanced cinema. I mean, it, it's done. Horror's done that in the past, but like it just. It feels different this time around. We've been inundated with sequels, with franchises. And I feel like maybe this is a common theme in our podcast. I'm not trying to. Like, I don't shit on the MCU, the Marvel Universe, or comic book movies. I enjoy those. But for the last 20 years, that's what Hollywood's been interested in. That's what's dominated production schedules. And so, as a backlash to that, I think audiences have craved something different. And horror has provided that an opportunity that that those independent franchises those original stories not to mention it's just given it's given space for just some very talented filmmakers to tell important stories through the lens of horror i think that's what makes this decade yeah i think you're i think you're right i think the market is starved for mature content and i think that for original content the surest bet for studios is horror and these films they have one foot in the horror genre, but they're also each their own thing. And it's hard to lump them together, but they are addressing social issues hmm. and current anxieties in a way that most of the films we get from big studios aren't. Yeah. And we're thirsty for that. Yeah. These filmmakers have something to say. Absolutely. They're incensed. They're pissed off a lot of times. And they're just going to shove it down your throat through horrific scenes and, and imagery. And they're going to challenge you to look away. And I want it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I want you to make me feel bad <laughs> at the movies. You know? <laughs> <laughs> to that. Yes, feeling awful at the movies. That's like one of my favorite pastimes. Seriously. All this talk about horror's subgenres. Do you have any preferences? To as far as like specific kinds of horror movies that you are drawn to, um, that's a great question. I, I don't know. You know, it depends. On, I guess it depends on the mood. Yeah. There are nights where I'll just be scanning Netflix or Amazon Prime or Hulu, and I'm just like, I just want to watch a bunch of college kids get stalked by a slasher, <laughs> like a killer. So if I just want to like turn my mind off, I enjoy slashers. 
but no, I, I don't I don't know if there's like specific genres I'm drawn to. I would say there's genres that I don't typically watch. I don't really give a shit about creature features. And that's not to say like there haven't been some great ones that I enjoy. Uh, would you call Alien a creature feature? Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I think critics tried to not call it horror because, again, it's a really good film. <laughs> yeah, and right. So it's a horror film. It's one that people try to call something else, like Silence of the Lambs, anything that's respectable in the past. But yeah, I think it's a creature feature. Okay. I personally, like, when I was younger, like from a, from a pretty young age, I love thrillers, psychological thrillers, and I spend a lot of time on the outskirts of horror. So I haven't seen like a lot of the horror classics. Mm-hmm. I've never seen Halloween or Friday the 13th, but I love dread and I love atmosphere and I want to be unsettled. And so David Lynch mm. is my guy. And I've, so is Ari Aster. Yeah. And Eggers. Yeah. And the, mood, the, the the horror of this decade. So I just, I feel like I've been circling the drain and I've been on the <laughs> outskirts <laughs> <laughs> of horror and I'm just like getting sucked in slowly. Yeah. And, and what I love about this decade's horror films are they don't fall into a genre or categorization. You have, you have slashers, you have ghost stories, you have you have possession stories you have apocalyptic scenarios like zombie stories they're all they're across a broad spectrum of of horror subgenres categorizes them as just fucking bold and that's why i love this decade's horror like what 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 lumps them together is not like a single storyline or ethos or or style it's just that these movies are smart as well as exhilarating yeah it's as if we've come into a postmodern era of horror and there is no longer any decade-defining trend, but all of these films are drawing from this rich history yeah. of horror. And we've just, we've just got everything at once. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of like really talented filmmakers that we're going to be blessed with for hopefully decades to come have gotten their start because of horror. And they've they've kind of like realized I can sneak in a really um, really potent message here and really complex characters. I can sneak those all in for a large audience under the guise of horror. Um, maybe not guys. Maybe that's the right word. But like horror is just this vessel for these very talented filmmakers to tell their stories. And the studio is okay with it, which is something we're starving for, right? Well produced, well made studio films that are original. Studios okay with it because they're like you can say whatever the hell you want. It's gonna make some money. And horrors have provided us with an alternative, a financial alternative to comic book movies and sequels. And I think us as movie fans are better for it. Yeah, it's as if these horror films are the flip side of the coin to superhero movies and Mm. their domination of the box office. Yeah. You know, people needed something else. Yeah, I just want to kind of bring up paranormal activity. I wouldn't say that it's prestige horror or what we've been talking about but it was a $15,000 film that made $134 million yeah it's unbelievable the studios recognized that and like that and understood there was a market for this and I think I think um, they were okay with letting filmmakers do their thing 
Well, Jonathan, I, I must say, like, I'm, I'm just really, like, satisfied and happy that you like horror films now. <laughs> I would say if, if, if 2010 like, is horror did nothing else, it made Jonathan Zachary a believer, and that's enough for me. So I hope you all have enjoyed kind of our discussion, our, our maybe, maybe a little bit nebulous, ambiguous discussion of 2010's horror. We wanted to kind of break down our thoughts on, on the decade as a whole and, and the importance of it and, and just the brilliance of the filmmakers within it. But for our next episode, we do plan to dive into specific films. And we plan to not only just talk about everything we've talked about and the, and the importance of horror and how it pushes the art form forward, we want to give you specific examples of that. So I hope you will all join us for our next episode where we talk about our favorite films of the decade and as far as horror is concerned and how each of these films contributed to this just greater appreciation and understanding of horror as must-see cinema. Are you excited, Jonathan? I'm pumped. Yeah? That's about as pumped as, it, as I've ever seen you. <laughs> I'm a very enthusiastic person. <laughs> But once again, I just want to thank you all for listening. And I hope you are enjoying this journey as much as we're enjoying making it. My name is Josiah. And I'm Jonathan. And we keep exploring.